0: And now it's my mission in life to help you get to the other side of this process with your sanity and your heart intact. Hey everyone, welcome back. You know, I got a lot of feedback that people really loved the Q&A episode that I did last month, and so we've kept that line open, but we really haven't gotten a lot of questions on it. And I wonder if it's because of the vocal aspect to it that people didn't really want to have their voices be on the air, which I completely understand. So we have changed it. And you can now submit your questions via text only. <laughs> um, you can fill out a form is what I mean. You can type your question uh, and I will read it on the air anonymously. So if you would like to submit a question and have me answer it on the air, please go to kateanthony.com slash questions. And I will read your question on the air and answer it in a and a episode. But if you guys liked it, you kind of have to submit questions. Otherwise, I can't do it again. <laughs> Okay. All right. So today I have with me back again is Dr. Amelia Kelly. And you may remember um, she was on the podcast uh, a while back and we were talking about um, her book, Uh, What I Wish I Knew, Surviving and Thriving After an Abusive Relationship that she had co-authored. And in that conversation, we talked about HSPs and what it is to be an HSP and how we wanted to do another episode about uh, being an HSP, which is a highly sensitive person. And so this is it. We just had this conversation. So... Dr. Amelia Kelly is a trauma-informed therapist. She's a a trained art therapist. She is an HSP therapist, an EMDR-informed therapist, meditation teacher, as well as a certified yoga instructor. She's a presenter and writer in the science help field, focusing on highly sensitive persons, trauma, motivation, healthy living, and adult ADHD. I mean, come on. (laughs) I love talking to Dr. Kelly. We have a really phenomenal time together. This episode is is really near and dear to my heart because I do identify as a highly sensitive person. And as we talk about once I understood that that's what was happening to me all of these years, it really opened up um, a lot. And this conversation just opened up a whole lot more for me uh, because there's so much that I did not know. And so here we are. If you identify as a highly sensitive person, if you think you maybe identify as a highly sensitive person, if you think you might be married to someone who is a highly sensitive person, this is a must listen. Dr. Amelia Kelly, thank you so much for coming back and talking to us about, we sort of teased this on our last episode together, and I've been really excited to have this conversation with you about what is an HSP? What does it mean to be a highly sensitive person? This seems to be like one of those buzzwords, right? First of all, let's define it.
1: Yes. Let's break it down. Um, And it's funny that it has become a buzzword because of the fact that it's been researched for almost 30 years now. So Mm. I think just suddenly people are realizing, oh, this is a thing. This is like a real thing. This is like a real thing. What is it? So being a highly sensitive person, or as you might hear, HSP means that the way that you process the world emotions your emotions others emotions is dynamically different than 80% of the population because hsp's make up 15 to 20% of our human population and it essentially means that the way that your brain digests the world around you is deeper your limbic system is more active so much more so that it can be detected on brain scans when you're attending to something which is pretty wild wow Yes. And there are four primary categories when it comes to being an HSP that describe what the experience of being an HSP is like. And it's really important to remember this, the acronym is DOES. And the first D stands for depth of processing. So that means that these HSPs are going to feel, see, experience everything to a really deep level. Um, it's Honestly, why, and we'll talk about the coping mechanisms, I'm sure, as we dive into this, Mm -hmm. but why the coping mechanisms are so essential. Mm. O stands for over-arousal, meaning that the world around you can feel like too much sometimes. This can be textures, smells, tastes, experiences.
0: Yes. Yes. (laughs) And then E.
1: You're like, yes, speak to me. Yes, yes Um, to all of this. (laughs) Go go on. (laughs) E is emotional intensity. So this can also come out in intense empathy. So E sometimes is called empathy as well. And HSPs are going to be the one who can really feel the mood in the room and really tell if someone's upset, or at least we believe we can tell if someone's upset. So that is something we should talk about too.
0: Yeah. Like there's a, there's a, we're, well we're so (laughs) sort of connected to the energy around us. Right. Which is why we feel things so intensely. Right. Because like we're sort of taking in all of the, all of it at once, but yes. Okay. So.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And then Uh the final one is sensory sensitivity. Mm -hmm. So this can be in, in a good and a bad way. Um, I I think about this one time I went to a restaurant with my mom and they had the lights. I don't know why they constructed like this. It's a beautiful restaurant. I still go there. The lights were up in the ceiling and then their ceiling fans were right underneath. So when the ceiling fan went, it created this (gasps) strobe.
0: No, no, no. right, (laughs) no. I would have to leave. I mean, I, I couldn't.
1: Exactly. And so for an HSP, that can become almost debilitating in that moment. A brave HSP would probably speak up about it and, you know, bring it to their attention. (laughs) Right. I'm about
0: to have a, like a series of seizures right now.
1: (laughs) I'm about to have a stroke
0: because you're strobing me. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So there's a test that -hmm. you can take. It's in the book. There's a book called The Highly Sensitive Person by Elaine Aron. Um, and you and I both sc- have the same score of 22, which is essentially at almost as high as you can go, right? What's
1: the highest? So 26. 26 <laughs> is how many items there are. So anyone who scores, and for listeners who are going to go take this test, you can do it at hsperson.com as well. If you don't have the book on hand and you're listening, you just want to find out what your score is. Mm -hmm. So you're going to go to the assessments. They've got the HSP assessment, and then they also have an interesting one that we might chat a little bit more about, which is the high sensation seeking test as well. Have you done that one? No, I did not. So I am an HSS, HSP. HSP. (laughs) add all the letters. You may, I'm just guessing from your vibe also be an HSS, HSV. And the way that I describe (laughs) that. Yeah. And Uh. the way I described that, I was talking to my husband the other night and I said, you know, it's kind of like driving a car with no cruise control and you're either pumping the brakes or, or pressing on the gas all the time. It's like Mm. one or the other too yeah. much, too little, too much, too little. Yeah. But when you do the assessment, there are 26 items and you're going to mark whether or not these apply to you even some of the time. Mm-hmm. So sometimes people think it's supposed to be like other psych psychotess- um assessments where it's most of the time it's just at all. So 14 or above you're an HSP. So you can see how far you and I are above that. Yeah, <laughs> we are really
0: above that. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And an interesting thing for any of your male listeners is that men sometimes tend to score themselves about three to four points less than they actually are. Yeah. Because of just cultural expectations. Mm-hmm. So mm, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. If you run into a guy and he's like, I'm an eight or a nine, you may have an HSP on your hands.
0: Right. Interesting. Okay. Fascinating. So okay. So what's this HSS
1: thing? As well? So, high sensation seeking. Okay. And And what is that? That is someone who really feels excitement and feels revived by doing new things. And so, we're going to seek out more stimulation than someone who doesn't need that much to feel good. You know, they actually can sense this way early, even in infancy. There are studies that have been done where they test the sound next to a baby's ear and the high sensation seekers. Now I'm excluding this from HSPs right now, because you can Mm -hmm. also just be a high sensation seeker. We're going to need like a Venn diagram for this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Um, A high sensation seeker baby is going to need a higher pitched volume in order to react to the sound.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: So you can okay. see this early on with babies who are really hard to soothe or they are easily agitated. Those are going to be ones who are more likely to be a highly sensitive person, but if they need a whole lot of stimulation, they may be more likely to be highly, um, high sensation S- seekers.
0: Oh, so interesting. Yeah. my uh, Yeah. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that I'm an HSS. I'm pretty like, I'm pretty chill these days Mm -hmm. in my, Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't want to, like, I went to a party the other night because I'm such an HSP. I went Mm. to a party the other night. And because, you know, we don't do that very often anymore in the last two and a half years, I have been like, or two years, um, I was like exhausted and I was there Mm. for like an hour. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, you may not be in HSS then. <laughs> I was like,
0: "Who? this is a lot. <laughs> There's a lot of people, you know, and there weren't even that many people. I think I'm squarely in the HSP camp.
1: Well, you know what? You bringing up the pandemic, it would be so interesting to me if we could have done an assessment on everyone pre-pandemic and saw if their HSP traits became more intense because I would hypothesize they would.
0: 100% mine have yeah 100% because i do think that i developed you know coping mechanisms to to be in the world in the ways in which we had to be before you know february of 2020 and then you know we just didn't have to do that anymore for right. two years I think also as an introvert, I'm sort of more on the introverted scale, more of like an, I was always like more of an ambivert, I guess. Right. Like Mm -hmm. I I can go out and I can socialize, but I got to, then I, when I'm done, I'm done and I got to go. Um, but for those of us, I think who are a little bit more introverted, like the pandemic was like, okay, (laughs) you know, my dad and I were like, yeah, nothing really, nothing really changes for us. Mm -hmm. My mom, was like, had, had like a nervous breakdown because she's mm-hmm. such an extrovert and she has to be around people all the time, you know? And she went into like a really dark, depressive state.
1: It's funny that um, your dog barking a couple of times. I will say, animals are where we learned about this.
0: Oh, interesting. Really? So,
1: yeah. So there's some really interesting studies about with uh, horses that was done and even, even all different species. So the 20, the 15 to 20% actually shows up across species. So it's not just us.
0: Interesting. Okay, good. Good to know. So why are we talking about this? I guess sort of like, right. Because I feel like I've, there are a lot of people that I talk to or that my Facebook group are like, yeah, you know um, I'm totally an HSP. So, so first of all, I guess, what, makes it difficult for HSPs in relationships? Like I'm sure that there are strengths and there are weaknesses. Mm -hmm. So what makes it hard for an HSP to be in a relationship?
1: So you can look at whether or not you've got one HSP and a non-HSP or two HSPs. So that's going to offer different challenges. Uh So let's say you have an HSP and a non-HSP, but the individual who is not an HSP does not respect those boundaries, those needs, the, the sensitivities that maybe their partner has. So maybe they don't get it,
0: right. They're like, this doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. They
1: don't get okay. it. And so you can get into a dynamic where the HSP can almost feel bullied or pressured into doing things that they're not comfortable with that are way outside your boundaries. Now, this is such a nuanced situation though, because on the other hand, the reason that we attract one another often is because we want to be challenged and we want to be pulled out of our comfort zone. Mm. But there's a point where you could be completely disrespecting or ignoring the needs of the HSP and not letting their strengths shine in the Mm. relationship because of the fact that they're trying to appease their more dominating non-highly sensitive partner. Mm.
0: So that could
1: be one of many things that can come up.
0: Yeah. Right. And so what are the strengths? What are, I mean, I can, I can totally see like being in a relationship (laughs) with someone who's not highly sensitive, being very, very, very challenging, right. Mm -hmm. Or doesn't understand or respect it. Um, But what are some of the strengths that we might have?
1: So HSPs make, fabulous lovers and partners and supporters because of that incredible ability to empathize and, and because of how deeply we want to love and how deeply we want to connect, that can also be a bit of an Achilles heel as well. If for instance, I remember early on in my relationship with my husband, before I knew I was an HSP, Mm. I told him in previous relationships, I had Kind of sabotage them a little when I would feel bored. Mm-hmm. And what I realize now is that that was my HSP trait not being bolstered or not being supported in a loving way. Mm-hmm. So that when I started to feel emotionally disconnected from whoever I was with, I would feel bored. Right. Kind of where HSPs have a hard time with small talk sometimes. We'd rather actually talk about how we're feeling.
0: I cannot, I cannot abide it. I mean, that's why we do what we do, right? Like we're all about having these deep conversations. We're not like, oh my God, talk about the weather. Like, oh, shut up.
1: Exactly. What's the point?
0: It's painful. I mean, it really is like agony. Like I want to like crawl out of my skin and like run away when, when that kind of conversation
1: happens. The interesting thing is being the HSP in that small talk dynamic, remember 80% of the people around us are not like us. So that person might be feeling deeply connected to us in that moment, even though we may not be feeling that deep connection because we're like, why are we talking about the weather?
0: Right. Okay.
1: So, (laughs) but getting to where that, you know, where that shows up romantically, you know, when I had shared that with my then boyfriend, Mm -hmm. uh, I said to him, I said, you know, I just, I really need that, that feeling that spark that interest. And so it became such a running joke that it actually ended up in our wedding vows. Like (laughs) I vow not to keep things, or I vow to keep things interesting. Uh Now that I understand my trait, however, I understand what I was actually asking for was emotional connection. Right. Um, And so if an HSP is feeling really disconnected emotionally from their partner, it can, I mean, it can lead to a host of issues. And so being able to know that that's what's happening and figure out there's random things that you can do, like spending quality time in for people who can't go out or don't want to go out 20 questions. I know that might sound silly, but if you haven't connected much with your partner or a friend, this doesn't have to just be romantic relationships asking questions and making a game of it. it, it may sound a little silly, but it's pretty powerful. Mm. And then it can get you back into that connection because what you don't want is to pick fights with your partner because you're not connecting and you want to feel connected.
0: Right. Right. Which is a huge thing. I mean, it's a huge thing, I think in a lot of relationships and maybe it is an HSP or HSS, right? Because you're, because mm-hmm. you're trying to get that, what is like a dopamine hit or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I can. I mean, I've, I've, I think I've done that in relationships and I think you're right. I think it is like when I'm feeling disconnected, like I need that intimacy to feel safe in a relationship, to feel like we are, you know, like we're connecting, like we're actually in a relationship.
1: Exactly. And what you don't want, and this is something that can happen in a relationship that becomes toxic is if a non-HSP is making the HSP feel like they're crazy for needing to connect if they're being gaslit for their qualities. Uh, mm, right. That can that can happen. Like there's and, something
0: wrong with you that you need right. all of this. Like we can kind of be somewhat needy,
1: right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. or or things around a highly sensitive person that they're noticing. And, and this can be environmental too. I mean, I, mm-hmm, I joke mm-hmm. that highly sensitive people are usually fabulous designers and they're, they're really good at creating space around them that they feel comfortable. Yes. If you're honing in your trait and you're understanding how important that is. Yes. And so if you don't have a partner who supports that, that can cause that kind of stressful environment, even something as simple as, you know, sensitive people generally are the ones who are the entrepreneurs, the creators, the artists who are going out and breaking the mold. And if you're not mm-hmm. given that space to create, whatever mm-hmm. that may look like, it doesn't have to be physical fine art. It could be, you know, having having that little time to sit at the piano or, you know, take your time gardening, whatever that might be. You may be pressured into not taking that time for yourself because the non-highly sensitive partner is feeling resentful of the time that you need. But when you take that time, you become such an amazing partner. But if you don't know about this trade and you don't know to champion for yourself, mm, then right. there's no kind of carrot at the end of the stick mm-hmm. when you're asking for this time.
0: Yeah. Right. So interesting. Yeah, living with a living with a teenager is very challenging for an HSP. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my goodness! I'm like my kids are so little now, and it's funny they're challenging in a different way because they're just mm-hmm. loud. Yeah, right,
0: <laughs> right, yes.
1: But the deep emotions of having to process a teenager. And speaking of teens and kids, that uh, website also has a scale for kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So and and that speaks to the genetic marker of being an HSP. It is highly genetic.
0: Yes, I mean for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Interestingly though, what they're finding is that it's unlikely for one family to have multiple children who are highly sensitive. Huh. Yes, because when you look at our our survival rates, we're (laughs) better off. Seriously, when we're better off with not everyone being highly sensitive. Well, right. we We would we
0: right, exactly. Exactly. It's really interesting. Are there studies about how I mean I know that men you said that men tend to rate themselves lower, right? And since it is sort of a self, mm-hmm. you know, self-diagnosing thing. Um, but I'm wondering, this might not, we may not have this data, right? Because of that, like, are, are, is there data to suggest that there are more female HSPs than male HSPs?
1: Actually, the data supports that it's equal. Wow. Completely equal. And that can Amazing. show you where toxic masculinity Yeah. Can really be so hard for our male HSPs out there who have that deep empathy and have that desire to deeply connect, but maybe, you know, they were raised in an environment that didn't support or encourage their high sensitivity. And that's something, too, when thinking about this highly sensitive trait, and we can think about men. The way that a child is raised actually defines whether this trait helps them fly or makes them fall. Interesting. So highly sensitive people, this is a really neat thing that highly sensitive people research has shown, even if they experienced a really conflict driven environment when they were a child, they actually gain more out of any intervention they try to do as an adult So HSPs are going to get more out of that meditation session, more out of that yoga class, more out of that therapy session than Um, a non-HSP.
0: Why? Like why? Yeah, like we're so fucking hungry and starved for it that like we're we absorb it better or we're more sensitive to it. I'm I'm like I I can say I like I completely relate. I can confirm, but I'm also like, huh? I wonder why.
1: Like, give me the give me the reason. Well, it goes back to depth of processing. So just like we process the negative really intensely and deeply, we can Mm -hmm. process the positive really intensely and deeply. Think about if you listen to a beautiful song and you get those goosebumps, that's a sign that your nervous system is highly reactive to something.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So I'm not saying every time that's happened, it means someone's a highly sensitive person, but for HSPs, it's going to happen more often. Right. And so wouldn't it make sense? And this is supported by research. Wouldn't it make sense that the negative is going to be extra negative and the positive is going to be extra positive?
0: Right. Yes. That there are. Sense.
1: Yeah. If listeners want specific studies about this, just look up orchid versus dandelion studies. And they called the orchids or the HSP children because they take more care and just the right environment, but they, boy, they really take up a room and they're so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then the dandelions not to say, and this is one thing I want to make sure that non-HSPs are not, you know, kind of put down as not as cool as HSPs. <laughs> you know, you're, like, you're a weed.
0: You're like, that's a little that's Well, a little but think
1: about it. Dandelions are still so beautiful. They're mm-hmm. very medicinal. Uh, they're yeah. awesome but they don't, you know, they, you can mow them with a lawnmower and they'll come back. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. So interesting. And now a word from our sponsor, the Divorce Survival Program. Now that you know that divorce is on the horizon, you need to get up to speed on how all of this works. Stat. You probably have a million and one questions swirling through your head from how and when do we tell the kids to will my ex and I ever get along again and just about everything in between. You've got legal questions, you've got financial questions, and you've got a whole host of questions about your kids. And that doesn't even touch how you'll start your life over again. Lucky for you, I have the answers to all of your questions. As one of the pioneers of the divorce coaching industry, I've been helping women navigate the divorce process for the last decade. And now, for the first time ever, all of my divorce wisdom is available in one online program. The Divorce Survival Program will help you process the emotional fallout of your divorce so you don't go into mediation bitter or resentful. It'll help you understand the difference between litigation, mediation, collaborative divorce, and identify which is right for you. It'll help you tell your husband you want a divorce in a way that doesn't keep you stuck in a circular conversation for the next three months. It'll help you tell your kids you're getting a divorce in a way that won't completely break them. It'll help you understand how your divorce will impact your friends and family and what conversations are appropriate to have with each. It'll help you create appropriate and healthy boundaries with your ex. And learn about dating after divorce and how that will affect you, your kids, and yes, even your ex. But most important, the most important thing this program will help you do is protect your children from any unnecessary fallout from an ugly and contentious divorce litigation. And that, my love, is fucking priceless. So sign up today go to kateanthony.com slash getting divorced And don't forget to use the code DSGPOD for $50 off. That's DSGPOD, Divorce Survival Guide Podcast, because that's where you heard it. DSGPOD will give you $50 off. So once again, that's kateanthony.com slash divorced. And now back to our episode. It's like trying to think of this like from like a divorce perspective, right? I mean, we're certainly more sensitive to abuse? Probably. I mean, not that anybody isn't that we would be more deeply impacted by abuse that we, I mean, obviously, right. We're more deeply impacted by most things
1: when it comes to divorce, you know, there's not going to be, there's not going to be a statistic, at least that I've seen Mm -hmm. where Mm -hmm. someone who's highly sensitive is more likely to get divorced. But I would go so far as to say the way that they experience a divorce might end up becoming, you know, a bit more painful or prolonged. That processing, that deep, deep processing about what happened, how did this happen, might take a little bit longer. And it might feel like, am I ever going to get over this? Uh, That can be uh kind of an experience an HSP has, which I think might sometimes prevent an HSP from jumping over that wall and going for it because Uh of that deep conscientiousness. That brings up the fact that HSPs generally take more time to make decisions.
0: Interesting. Right. Interesting. Because we're, why? Because we're weighing, I mean, we're weighing all the options, sure. But I'm just like thinking about that, like depth of the depth of feeling versus, uh, or not versus, but what is it? It's depth of feeling.
1: Depth of processing of and the processing. only reason that, yeah. And the only reason I, I bring see. up processing yep. is it's kind of like you think of a, a hardwired computer. If you run all the things at once, and then you try to jump on and chat with someone or do an interview, it's going to glitch. It's not going to run well. Things are going to get overheated.
0: Yes, it is.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Been there. (laughs) That's what I was saying about that party, the party the other day. (laughs) Like, oh, it's really tiring.
0: (laughs) Yes, depths of processing. That makes so much sense. Okay, and then what's the next one? I just want to. I want to grasp these again. I'm sorry.
1: Over. That's okay. Over arousability.
0: Okay. Yes.
1: And these are just abridged words for what you could Mm -hmm. describe even longer. Emotional intensity is E. Mm-hmm. And that also I was saying weaves in empathy. Some some yeah. of the times you see this graph, it'll say empathy. Okay. And then S is going to be sensory sensitivity.
0: Okay. Sorry. I just, I wanted to. Wait, you
1: wanted to deeply process? I wanted to deeply <laughs> process this.
0: So in terms of divorce, right? Like why it would take someone take longer to make that decision all of these apply right the depth of processing right if they're processing more deeply it's going to take longer
1: right absolutely they're going to want to run through all the scenarios
0: right right and do all the
1: what ifs because actually that is a coping mechanism for someone who's an hsp if you're going to you know it's funny we have this kind of catch 22 we have all these ideas we're excited by almost everything i I joke that I watched Free Willy as uh, like an adolescent and went and adopted a whale immediately <laughs> like that. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. That's, that's the, the brain of an HSP. We've got to do all these exciting things all the time, Please. which doesn't that sound interestingly like ADHD, mm-hmm. mind you, ADHD, autism, and being an HSP are all in one umbrella under being neurodiverse.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Yes. Okay. I didn't
0: realize that HSP was considered a neurodiversity.
1: It is a neurodiversity. However, it's a state trait. So it's not a medical diagnosis like being attention deficit or being on spectrum is. It's a state trait.
0: Are people often misdiagnosed as ADHD when they're really HSP?
1: Sometimes ADHD, sometimes generalized anxiety disorder, Oh, chronic pain, depression. There's lots of different overlaps that can but happen. But maybe
0: I have those things too.
1: You, you can. <laughs> right, like, you, you can. Yeah. And okay. this is not to say that if someone is highly sensitive and they find out they have that trait, suddenly go throw away your depression medication. I'm <laughs> definitely Listen, not advising. You can
0: pry that out of my cold dead pants. Okay. <laughs> <I'm> not, <laughs>
1: definitely I'm not, not recommending that. However, no. I have noticed both in my own experiences and with my clients, if you start to really respect and harness your trait and take care of your trait, then the symptom presentation for some of the other medical diagnoses are usually, Okay, so how do you do that? So
0: how do you take care of yourself as an HSP? I mean, I can imagine this would be very like labor intensive. <laughs> like, a little high um, maintenance on the self-care spectrum. Um what's the wh- what do we do to help ourselves? I love that you
1: I love that you mentioned it being high maintenance. I once had a client saying, "Gosh, self-care is so much work." <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, so it's, it almost becomes kind of just ingrained in who you are and what your day looks like. Okay. So there's the five, the top five things I generally will recommend when it comes to being an HSP. Number one is making sure you carve out alone time. So this can, yes, this can look (laughs) different for everyone. I mean, as I mentioned, I'm a parent of young kids. So my alone time comes at night. I, yeah, I have it in right. revenge insomnia, like nobody.
0: <laughs> oh, right. Right. Okay. Yeah. My alone time, my alone time is very sacred. And at the end of the day, I'm like, okay, everybody, bye. And like, I'm like, you know, sacked out in front of the TV, just like decompressing. Right. And that's the time yes. that my mom wants to call and talk and she wants to see me and she'll, can I come over for dinner? Blah blah. <laughs> I'm like, no sacred.
1: And isn't that interesting? That's a good example because earlier you were asking, how does this show up in relationships? Yes. Where because of being so empathetic, we may feel bad saying no, even though we should. So we might pick up the phone Mm -hmm. yet we're talking and physically feeling stressed because what we really want to be doing is watching Netflix and not Mm -hmm. taking care of anyone else's emotions in that moment.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's right. Yeah. Right.
1: So alone time is crucial. It's okay. it's basically the time you turn the computer off. It's the time yes. that you just get to be. Uh, the second one is some sort of movement. Okay. So because of our bodies being so aware all the time, hyper aware of everything, temperature feels textures, we can carry a lot of tension in our nervous system. Mm. And so I really try to encourage people stop thinking about exercise as this like two to three day a week prescriptive thing that we're just going to periodically do. Mm-hmm. And instead just notice movement. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. for me, that's exercise because I enjoy it, but not everybody right. does. That can right. be any form of movement on a daily basis. And you can almost think of it as like wringing out a dirty sponge. that's going to be crucial.
0: Yes. Yes. I I will say the days that I don't, my body is just, it does. It's like, it's it's overloaded. It's weird. Right. It's like everything gets, the energy gets stuck and trapped in my, in my system In my legs, I get restless leg syndrome.
1: Right. Oh my gosh. Yes. Mm -hmm. Do you
0: get that too? Oh my God. I do. I do.
1: Especially, you know, long rides or, uh, Being a therapist, I used to have to just sit all the time, Um, but now with this world of COVID, something positive that came out of it is a lot of my clients and I are walking on this greenway near my office. Oh, that's great. It's really cool. Um, And I notice people, especially my highly sensitives, because statistically highly sensitives do make up more of the individuals who are in therapy, but it's not because they need therapy more getting back to the fact that they get more out of it, like I was saying, they will tend to stay in longer.
0: Oh, oh, interesting. They, they look seem, at they, therapy they as an onion. Experience the benefit. Yes. Right. That's right. It is an onion. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Interesting.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So yeah. So we've got alone time. We've got movement. Mm-hmm. You really want some form of creation every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, that can be anything. It can be coming up with an idea for your business. It can be dancing to a song that you love and creating movement with your body, you know, just whatever creation looks like for you. There's my favorite quote about art therapy. If you're not, if I'm not creating, I'm destroying. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what it can feel like. And so people who are creatives and who are highly sensitive, and I'm not saying every highly sensitive person out there is an artist, but it begs to yeah. differ that art is an expression. So wouldn't it make sense if someone's more sensitive, they feel this urge to express. Right. So finding a way to express every day mm-hmm. uh, is incredibly helpful. Mm-hmm. Another one is being really mindful of blood sugar. Okay. People who are highly sensitive, it actually carries down into the way that your body processes insulin. So I hunger, t- hangry.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Right. I don't get hangry, but I, but my bot, my, my system, mm-hmm. and I, I want to talk about this. I want to, I want to finish the, finish the five, but I want to talk about the physical because it's not just, I mean, from what I understand, HSPs also have like a whole host of medical stuff that is different. I process medication.
1: Mm-hmm. Like I can,
0: I have to like micro dose. I'm on pediatric doses of my antidepressants. I can't, have caffeine. Like if I have coffee, I have to have half calf. And even then it's kind of a crapshoot as like it, right. I was hospitalized because of the effects of maca root, what? which is like an herbal stimulant. Wow. And it, because it built up in my system and it presented like a heart attack.
1: Oh my goodness. How many maca smoothies were you having?
0: <laughs> I had one a day. <laughs> I'd one a day for like a couple of For like a couple of months. And then it built up to the point where this one day I had chest pains. I couldn't breathe. I could not walk across a room and they could not figure out what was wrong with me. I was in the hospital for two days. They ran, you know, every test. Um, and they were like, it's definitely your heart. And then they did all the, all the heart tests. I had the dyes and the everything. And they're like, your heart is amazing. Like whatever cardio you're doing, keep it up. Your heart (laughs) is like super strong. And I went home and I was, I was like, nobody could figure out what it was. And then two weeks later, when I'd sort of recovered, I was like, okay, I'm going to go back to the gym. And I made my shake and it immediately started again. And I was like, oh my God, it's the
1: shake. Whoa. I I, appreciate that story just because that helps me help others because that is something I did not know.
0: So, and apparently it's an HSP thing, but apparently also I have never heard of another person. (laughs)
1: Like, I mean, I don't know if everyone loves maca as much as you. <laughs> well, I don't. So, I, oh my god, it was just
0: like in my protein powder. That's wild, yeah. Oh my god, but you know, but I do. I take pediatric doses of medication. I have to be super careful with any stimulant. Any mm-hmm. stimulant, I have to be like super cautious about.
1: And that—that that is one of the uh, question items on that twenty-six question scale about whether or not you're more sensitive to caffeine. Yeah, and just to kind of clear this up too, you can push past that and become acclimated to caffeine. You know, so I'm not saying that that doesn't happen. So someone might be taking the test and saying, that's not me, but this is how I know there was a couple of weeks ago. My, I think my Stevia went funky and I, kept not drinking my tea a couple days in a row. Something was, I thought it was the, the mug I was drinking out of. I yeah. discovered you can have Stevia in your jar too long. But oh, so I skipped I just, I, I, well, good to know. <laughs> I shared something with good you. To know. <laughs> um, but it was just two days of just regular English black tea I didn't have. And by the second afternoon, I had the worst migraine. Oh, absolutely. I thought it was allergies. It was literally because I wasn't finishing that tea. Yes. Caffeine withdrawal for sure. Yes. For Mm -hmm. sure. Yep. And yep. And it is, so it can show up and this is why highly sensitive people that they handle things like hunger differently. They can experience things like illicit drugs differently. So that's something to be mindful of Mm. being really careful about that.
0: Yes. I mean, listen, I'll, you know, last time I smoked pot was like probably 12 years ago.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and I got so, so incredibly fucked up that (laughs) they had to, like, someone had to drive me home. They were like, I was hallucinating. I was, like, on another planet, and I Mm -hmm. smoked the same stuff that everybody else in the room did, and they were all perfectly fine, and I was so not fine, like, and not in a fun way. Not in yeah,
1: and that's why it's really important. You know, people think that all you know, all minds are alike and all nervous systems are like, no, and they're not. They're not. And you can see how this could start to show up in relationships too. If maybe uh, a highly sensitive individual doesn't feel like their partner respects those intense reactions and mm-hmm. and what they need, maybe they're not feeling sympathized with. And so that can create this divide. So it's very important to preserve those relationships by educating your partner on your trait. Um, You know, once I discovered my trait, I definitely... You know, I had my husband sit down and watch the documentary with me. He's not a reader because he has ADHD. So I did not have him read the book, but I did have him take the test and we talked about the test. And, you know, those are really good ways to loop people you care about in. And then it started to expand. I mean, it went beyond him and I started to talk to my friends and family about it because I need them to understand that, you know, when I have an intense reaction to something, it's not because. I'm unstable. It's because I'm feeling what we're having between us really intensely. Right. But, but that also gets to like emotion regulation, which we can work on by doing the things that we're talking about now by harnessing this fabulous superpower by giving it the time to breathe.
0: Yeah. Right. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Yes. Okay. So, well, that brings us back to, so blood sugar. So we experience, we were talking about blood sh- blood sugar and I took it right. off in a whole other <laughs> direction, but it, but I mean, it's, <laughs> it was similar, kind of medical. It, I think it's, it's okay. the same. Right. So what's the, so what's the last one? Well, you said, so, so creation, blood sugar, we're sensitive to blood sugar. So we have to, so what is the self-care involved? It is like monitoring, not monitoring, but like trying to keep steady.
1: I would recommend making sure you have protein woven into your life and it's available wherever you can get it. And I'm not talking you know, bulking amounts of protein, we're actually under the impression we need more than we need. Mm-hmm. But having it at the ready, in, like in your glove compartment, for instance, or at work or just spaces so that you don't end up getting into uh, a moment of that kind of panic feeling. Yes. It's interesting because if any of your listeners know about decision fatigue, I don't know if you've ever heard of decision fatigue. Mm-hmm. They had a really yeah. cool article in the Times about it. Um, every time we make a decision, and this just makes so much sense as I'm thinking about HSPs every time a human being makes a decision, our brain uses a little stint of glucose, every decision. Hmm. And we make close to 30,000 decisions a day between, do I open this email? Do I scroll? Do I like, what do I make? What am I going to wear? What am I going to eat? All these things. So imagine as a highly sensitive person, you're making triple the decisions as a non-HSP. So that's a big part of where that blood sugar issue comes from, because your brain is constantly expelling glucose in order to process. Did I just expel all your glucose out of your brain? (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) No, I'm fascinated by this. I am fascinated by this. Okay. So having protein around because we need to replenish it because we are expending way more than, than most people.
1: Right. The only way to recharge decision fatigue is sleep or food. That's why a lot of times we can get, you know, we go through our whole day sticking to healthy eating and then you get into the nighttime and suddenly you have low threshold for withholding from things. And that's because of decision fatigue. So just doing what you can to keep your blood sugar stable can be very helpful for an HSP and really anyone, but especially someone who's highly sensitive.
0: Holy shit. That is fascinating. Okay.
1: I know. And so (laughs) it
0: really is. Okay. So what's the last one? What's the low, you said there were five, you know, five.
1: so this one I'm kind of taking from that acronym I gave you before about sensory sensitivity, uh-huh. being really mindful of sensory input in your environment. So HSPs, yeah. have you ever done those, uh, like those where's Waldo books? Yes. So HSPs outperform non HSPs in those kind of tasks.
0: Okay. Yeah. We can, we find all the things.
1: So those hidden pictures, things like that. Uh Uh We actually have more stimulate stimulation when it comes to the way that we see, visually see the world. (gasps) But that means we can also become more exhausted. So with my HSPs that I work with, I encourage them every day, even if you can only do 60 seconds. But 10 minutes is ideal. That's 10 minutes feels like a nice chunk. 20 or 30 is fabulous, but you know, we're trying to be realistic here. Take an eye break. Mm. If you don't like the idea of meditation, because you feel like you're going to overfixate on not thinking, just think of it as closing your eyes. Okay. This can also, yeah. I mean, this can yeah. be meditation, which is mm-hmm. fantastic for HSPs. Okay, But it can also be what's in your environment. Are the lights getting turned down in the evening so you can sleep better? Because Mm -hmm. HSPs generally struggle with insomnia more.
0: Are we also like super light sensitive?
1: Yes. Yes. So Um, light sensitive. mm -hmm. Yeah. You will never see me outside without sunglasses unless it is nighttime.
0: (laughs) Not in like, not since I was probably 18. I have never, ever walked out of the house without sunglasses. I can't do
1: it. You mentioning 18, that's an interesting thing to note as well. Some of these traits can become more presented the older someone gets. Okay. Uh huh. So I think back to some of my habits in college, which nowadays I'm like, how did I sleep there? Or, you know, (laughs)
0: totally. Oh my God. Exactly
1: between yeah. lines. Just kidding.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> How would I sleep with that? I mean, then that, there,
1: twin oh. size bed, two people. No, I'm just kidding. That's a, such a good question. <laughs> <laughs> but also the sound in your environment and, you know, what can you do to kind of shut your nervous system down? I know for me, water is huge. Like being able to get in a tub or get in a shower, especially after I've seen clients all day, it is the way that I physically reset my nervous system.
0: Oh, wow. That's very interesting. I may have to try that because lately I've been thinking about like, maybe I should move my showers to the evenings. Maybe that would be a better time to like wash the day off and like, and reset myself.
1: That's absolutely how I do it. I mean, if I need to get, you know, ready or something, I can do another one in the morning, but yeah, I feel like it's, it's really neat what that can do for you. And you can even treat it as a therapeutic moment, you know, a little hydrotherapy, sure. but yeah. it's going to look different for everyone, but whatever you need to do to shut your nervous system down and to work on stimulation. And that can also be clutter. If you have too much stuff mm-hmm. that can be oversensory. Yes. hundred percent. So Mm -hmm. Yep, hundred percent. So, making sure you clear what doesn't. Who? What was the the one who said sparks joy? What's her name again?
0: Marie Kondo. Yes, yes, Marie (laughs) Kondo,
1: your space. (laughs) Yes,
0: yes. It's so true. It's so interesting because I do absorb the. Like I almost feel like I absorb the energy of clutter. And by the way, that's not to say that I am not cluttered. I'm. I'm one of those people that like. I make everything perfect. And then I just, you know, slowly just completely destroy it. And then I make it all perfect. And maybe there's something <laughs> in that that I find very satisfying. But, you know, once it's perfect, I'm like, oh, I can breathe. I can mm-hmm. totally breathe.
1: Right. That's your your version of creating or destroying.
0: <laughs> yes, I think it is. I think that's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. This is so fascinating. Cause I mean, I thought I knew a few things about being an HSP, but like, good God, gosh, is there anything else about this that you feel that people should know? I mean, everyone should take the test, right? If you, if you relate at all.
1: Hsperson.com or there's also a link to it through my website as well. And we'll put um, it in the
0: show notes as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And yeah. I I love the, there's a fabulous documentary called Sensitive, The Untold Story that I originally found it on Gaia. That was actually how I even discovered this. It was about eight or 10 years ago. So, and I just stumbled upon it.
0: Okay, And
1: I love that documentary. It's short and sweet. It's the point. It has Alanis Morissette in it, which when you think you're like, yes, she's definitely an HSP. <laughs>
0: Oh my God. But you know,
1: I told a client has Alanis Morissette and my Xenial client was like, who's that? Who's that?
0: (laughs) Oh, 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 you guys, if you don't know who she is, listen, isn't
1: that ironic? If you don't know, isn't
0: isn't that ironic? (laughs) Don't you think? Um, If you, if anyone listening to this does not know who Alanis Morissette is, head immediately to your Spotify or Apple music and download Jagged little pill
1: Yes. and enjoy. <laughs> That's all. Just enjoy. I think one of the big things that I would really want to say about this trait, just to kind of package everything, there's so much more to keep learning about it, but
0: yeah.
1: don't feel that this is something that needs to be changed or hidden or feel shame about. This is actually an exceptional quality. It is a fabulous trait. I, I see it as a superpower.
0: Yeah, I do too. I do too. Because when I first learned about it, I was like, oh, this is what makes me good at my job. This is Mm -hmm. what makes you good at your job, right? Mm Because we're into, and and HSPs are highly intuitive as well. That's one of our traits, right? Is that it, and that's, we're highly intuitive. And so that's what makes us good at what we do. You know, it's also
1: why it's so important that we are mindful of protecting ourselves as well. Right. Right. So I've been, I've been hosting something called HSP happy hour on insight timer, and it's been really fun. And one of the things that I always make sure to do is a meditation of self-protection because we are so in tune and intuitive, like you were saying, and ready and able to help. That's just kind of like a vacuum. And mm-hmm. so being able to remember that you need to protect your own energy in order to have it to give to others. Yeah, Even, it, it's funny, even physical space, like if, if someone was physically in my office, if it wasn't during a raging pandemic, my... <laughs> Office chair and the couch that my folks sit at, it's a little bit further apart than maybe some other therapists. And for Mm -hmm. me, it's because I want just this open space for all of our energy to flow.
0: Interesting. Yeah. So fascinating. I love this topic. I love it. I could like deep dive into this all day with you. Um, And this is something that you specialize in, right? You specialize Mm -hmm. in as a therapist. People with, which, yeah, which is why when I first read your, your bio and your website, I was like,
1: I need her to be my therapist. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but- you can. If any of the listeners are looking for an HSP therapist on hsperson.com, there are a list of accredited therapists who have gone through the training and have gone to get the certification, which I have. Oh. And in most of our bios, we also will state, cause there's a little bio that describes each therapist. Mm -hmm. Also states whether or not the therapist identifies as an HSP. Oh, interesting. Okay. Because it can be, you know, I I know even at my practice with my clinicians, I have them all take the assessment when they get hired, because I want to know whether or not they are one so that I know if there's an HSP coming to the practice and they want someone in that community who might understand where they're coming from.
0: Right, right. So fascinating, and and just to just to clarify, you are in North Carolina, yes. right? You're in Cary, North Carolina. So, um, mm-hmm. because of state licensure laws, um, not everybody can.
1: Not, unfortunately, not everyone can work with you. Um, no. But if you're in North Carolina, you are in luck. And if you have questions, though, I do love to answer. I do a Q and A with Dr. K, where I, if you send me something through my website and you have a question about anything, with especially this. I will tailor an answer for you and share it on my Instagram so that everyone who's an HSP can hear it because I think everyone should benefit from other people's questions.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So great. So important. And I think I, I, and I do think, okay, one last question. Do you think that, you know, we, we talk about empaths a lot these Mm -hmm. days too. Right. Um, And that empaths are, often more drawn to narcissists and, and, or abusers. And so H I would assume that HSPs are as well f- tend to find themselves in abusive relationships more.
1: So, and I, I love to reframe it in this way because I've, okay. I've kind of been on this platform my own little platform trying to champion for the way that we talk about why someone becomes susceptible I would love to reframe it to why the abuser is attracted to them.
0: So good. So good. Thank you for saying that. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> I, 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 will, I, will, I will join you on that. Okay,
1: good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the reason that they are going to be attracted to the HSP is because they're going to be able to validate and empathize and fill up that narcissistic supply that they're going to need yes. because like i was saying earlier we feel deeply and we when we love we love yes. and so we can really place someone on an emotional pedestal especially if we feel like they're in need right and so right. that's where it loops back to making sure that you're protecting yourself and your energy because if you are what you end up not being as an HSP, is too agreeable. Mm, mm-hmm, we want mm-hmm. to be disagreeable in a way where we are saying no. This is what I need, right? So that you can still have the traits that the narcissist is going or abuser is going to want to latch onto, but then they'll be—I don't want to say scared away, but deterred when they realize, oh, well, you have you, you have boundaries. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fascinating. I love, again, I love this. I love this. I could talk to you about this all day long. Um, so where can everyone, (laughs) okay. all right, let's do it. Um, So every time, every time we talk, we like make a plan for the next next project. Okay. Um, Where can everyone find you? Remind everyone where they can find
1: you. Sure. They can find me at ameliakelly.com or on Instagram at Dr. Amelia Kelly or on Twitter at Dr. Kelly Amelia, because my name was taken. (laughs) (laughs) And all of those are with the EY for the Kelly. (laughs)
0: <laughs> right. I was, gonna, I was going to uh, emphasize that. Uh, thank you so much. I so appreciate this conversation. I have learned a lot, and um, I'm sure everyone else has too. And I just so appreciate you coming on and sharing your wisdom.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Divorce Survival Guide podcast. If you like what you hear, head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in and leave me a review. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at The Divorce Survival Guide. I'll see you next time. And until then, remember, you, my love, deserve to be happy.